Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. The decisions you make now do matter. And uh, my heart for you is to ensure that you're walking in a divine direction, hence the title. Um, and today I'm believing that some of you are going to make fresh steps. You're going to take a step to do something new, to start on the course that you know you need to. And uh, in a sense, it sounds a little odd to end a, mess- end a series on a message called, um, uh, what do we call it? Faith to start. Uh, But uh, what it's trying to do is bring everything together and say, now you know this, let's make a decision and let's take some action. God will have stirred your heart to do something and today we're going to make some decisions to do something because it's not having faith to finish the race that counts, it's having faith to get started that really matters. Sometimes we don't know the details of how our future will look and we cannot concern ourselves too much about it, but we can at least start the road God wants us walking on. And uh, we'll unfold that over the next 30 minutes or so. So if there's anybody here today who knows they need to get started, you're thinking about losing 20 kilos, you're thinking about writing a book, you're thinking about starting a business, you're thinking about whatever it might be, starting a connect group, then um, uh, by the end of this message you would have done all of those things. Uh, I may have lost the 20 kilos by the time I've preached my heart out to you although I preached it so out in the first service. I think it was the Billy Graham thing. I'm like, I just preached like Billy Graham in the first service. <clears throat> and uh, he's my hero. So uh, faith to start. We're going to use the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. It's, uh, it's on um, page 338 in my Bible. So uh, Nehemiah, it's, it's, it's in, in roughly the middle of the Bible. And we're going to use the story of Nehemiah as the basis of this message. Uh, I, I can't read all nine or ten chapters, so let me summarize it for you. In Israel at the time, or all the way through the history of Israel, God was calling Israel to obey and worship him. And uh, what did Israel do? They uh, did not obey and they did not worship him. And so there were moments where God would try and get their attention to bring them back to him And this was one of those moments where he had allowed the Babylonians to come into the nation, to conquer the nation, and take some of them into captivity back, into, back to Babylon. Uh, and so we have sections of the Bible that talk about Israel in Babylon. Uh, and this is one of those moments. Nehemiah had, uh, uh, or, or the nation had been in Babylon for 140 years by this point. Nehemiah was uh, serving The king, at this point, 140 years later, as a cupbearer to the king. And God begins to speak to Nehemiah and give him what we would call a divine burden, which I'll explain in just a minute. Nehemiah is getting a divine burden because he's hearing about what is going on in Jerusalem. He's hearing stories like the walls are broken down, the temple is destroyed. People are not worshiping God. And he gets this 
divine birth, this, this, this desire and this urge whereby he wants to see God restored to the nation. He wants to see the walls rebuilt and he wants to see the temple restored. A, a fantastic desire, an incredible sort of mandate from heaven. He gets to the point where he goes, I'm not standing for this anymore. I will not stand for the fact that God's name is in disrepute. We're going to do something about it. When you get like that, you know you've got a divine burden. When you know that something is in you where you're going, I'm not standing for this anymore. That injustice has to change. You might just be carrying a divine burden from God. Maybe you struggled with an addiction for many years. And uh, finally, you, you, you got the courage to, to, to uh, talk about it and get set free from it. And now you've got such a burden to see other people set free from, an, from addictions. That might just be a divine burden from God. It may be that you see, uh, see that there aren't enough foster parents for foster children who could really do with a good home to be raised in. And it becomes more than just an idea. It becomes a burden to you. Like a, a sense of, I cannot stand this anymore. We need to do something for these children. Maybe it's a divine burden from God for you to do something. Lisby got a divine burden just uh, a few months ago. She got to the point where she had that, I can't stand this anymore moment. <clears throat> and it had nothing to do with my cooking. It, uh, not on this occasion. Uh, well, she, uh, she's been working to encourage women for a number of years, and, uh, and she got to the point where she's recognizing that a number of women, this would be true of men too, but uh, a number of women who are living out of a, a sort of a defeated mindset rather than a, a mindset that says, you know, this is who I am in God. Um, he, is, he has made me. He, I can overcome these, these, these past issues. And, and so she's thinking this through. I, I can't stand this anymore. Women are locked up. They're, they're beautiful people that God's made, and they've got such a great future that, that God could unlock if we could just help them and do something about it. So she wrote a course called the Freedom Course, which she is now running the, the, second, um, the second group through, and uh, with, with wonderful success, helping women get set free. Uh, but that wasn't enough. She goes, well, this is not enough. I'm not, we're not reaching enough people, setting enough people free. So she starts thinking about our women's ministry, every woman, and, and goes, do you know what? We could, we could do something here that's more than just an event, that's more than just a conference. We have a mandate from heaven to set women free, to help them think uh, victoriously and not defeated. And so she begins to uh, spend sleepless nights writing out her mandate and, and uh, talking to a few girls about it and, and, and putting it down and gets this moment where she says, we could do something about this. And, uh, and on Friday night, she will announce that every woman will be called something else instead and she will, she will share her mandate with you girls. So you've got to be there because on the stage here next Friday night will be two of the greatest women's ministries I know, uh, Pastor Nat Taylor and, uh, and Pastor Lisby Warren. And she's going to unveil, which is why we've called it Unveiled. She's going to unveil the mandate we feel we have from heaven to minister to women in, uh, in this nation and maybe beyond. And so uh, that is a divine burden. It's what I call the Popeye moment. You, you know Popeye? Popeye, Popeye he, he, he starts building up with frustration because things aren't working out. And he's, uh, he's, whoever is, who was his enemy? Bruno? Bru 
Brutus, and he gets really mad, and eventually he just goes, I can't stand this anymore. And then he takes the, takes the spinach and, and, and changes the world with the green stuff. And uh, you may find that God is getting you to the point where you just go, I can't stand this anymore. And that might just be your divine burden, because the divine burden could be an indication of your divine direction. And if you can tap into your divine burden, you might just find yourself walking in God's divine direction for you. If you don't feel like you have a burden for something, that's okay. But I know that there are times where for some of us, we get that divine burden. What did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah gets his divine burden to rebuild the the city of Jerusalem. uh, And then he goes, ah, one problem. I'm not a builder. I'm a waiter. How can a waiter build a city? So what does he do when he realizes he's inadequate for the job? What do any of us do when we realize we're inadequate for the job? And that often happens if you've got a divine burden. It's likely to be bigger than you could do. It's likely to be a dream that's larger than you could achieve. What do we do? Nehemiah gets into a room and he goes, God help! That's a great prayer to pray when you feel out of your depth. Only he says it like this. He goes, oh, Lord God of heaven and earth. Please hear my prayer. I'm a humble servant. I don't have the skills. I don't have what it takes. But please, I come to you now. Forgive me and forgive our nation for not following you. But I am desperate to see this turned around. I'm desperate to see your name made famous for this to your reputation to be repaired, the, the temple, the wonderful temple in which you dwell, uh, for that to be repaired. And he, he, he prays passionately and actively and authentically. When you've got a divine burden, you will find yourself throwing yourself into prayer and out of a passion from within, you're calling on God, God, make this happen. And that's the first thing every one of us can do when we realize our future is bigger than we can cope with. You have a future, a divine direction that right now you're inadequate for. But if you throw yourself into prayer, honestly onto God, not masking it before Him, but letting that passion and desire out, acknowledging how great He is and acknowledging how inadequate we are, you will find that God will break in and make a way. And so He did with Nehemiah. He, he goes to speak to the king. says, King, you know, I, I realize I'm meant to be here serving you, waiting on you, but uh, I've got this mandate. What do you reckon? Would you let me go? The king says, you may go, and I'll open the doors for you to do this journey, 1,350 kilometers from Susa to Jerusalem, and he, the king helps him get to his destination. If you've got a divine burden, go to prayer. But I, that's not really the main two points of my message. I've got two points for you today. Anybody ready for two points? If you're writing this down, it would be a good idea because two is a lot to remember. For any of us, particularly those of us in the English-speaking service, uh, we're not as well-educated as the Dutch, apparently. So, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> If I was preaching in England, it would be the other way around. You've just got to build up the nation you're in. Called kissing ass. Um, <laughs> excuse me, I, I feel a little liberated. I feel a little liberated in the English service. I have to be thoughtful with my language in the first service because it's got to then be translated, and that could not be translated because it's, it's an English expression that doesn't mean as bad as it sounds. 
if, if, you've, if, you've got, if you've got a divine birth, if, you've got a, a, if you want to do something big, if you want to do something big, what is, what is something big? What is something big? Something big might be the need to go to rehab and recover. Something big might be fostering a child. Something big might be starting a connect group or writing a book, paying off your student debt, starting a business, um, being a godly father and husband. Something big is that thing that is significant to you. What do you do when you've got something big? Number one, start small. Everyone say start small. If you've got something big you need to do, start small. 70 years before uh, the scene of Nehemiah is a prophet also in captivity in Babylon and he has the same divine burden. Get this, somebody 70 years before, a prophet who has the same burden from God. God, we need to restore the fame of your name. And this is what Zechariah says. He says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You do not need faith to finish. You need faith to start. It's the start that counts. And it doesn't matter how small it is. Do never be embarrassed about small beginnings. If you've had children and you've seen your child begin to walk, it's a little weird at that moment. They sort of do this Frankenstein thing where they go, You know, and that, that's how they, that's how they get, get going. That's how they learn to walk. What father would go to their child as they're taking their first steps and go, that is so pathetic. What do you call that? Why did you even bother starting until you'd learned how to do it properly? <laughs> you know, what, what father would, would say such a thing to their child? No, no. What does the father do? What does the father do? Or a mother, I'm not one of those, so, but what would a father do when they see those first steps? They go wild crazy. They go, oh my goodness, look, 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 look. Get, get the camera, get the camera. Oh, do it again, do it again. They, they go crazy wild. Why? Because they're so excited about a small step. God does just the same thing over you. When you take a small step, He's going wild crazy. He's going, my goodness, you've done it. That's fantastic. Angels, look, come on, let's have a party. Crack open the wine and the, the party poppers and get out the cake for the Asians. You know, because they love to eat apparently. All heaven, all heaven breaks out. I like to eat too, just maybe I've got Asian blood in me. <laughs> God loves it. When you take that small step, you know you need to take. Don't let the start stop you. And that's the problem. And that's why I preach like this, because this is my divine burden. I get so frustrated that the minority of people seem to dare to take the step. The majority of people think big, but it's the minority of people who take the small step to try and make the big thought happen. I'm not telling you to think small. I'm telling you to think big, but I'm telling you to take a small step. Yeah. Take the first step. Go to the gym. Write a blog before you try writing a book. Make that first 
repayment of your student loan before thinking, oh, I've got to wait until I've got enough money to pay it all off in one go. Just start the first step. Begin small. How did they do it? Nehemiah, listen to this in verse, uh, in chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. They did what? They began. In fact, let me tell you how they began. Let's, let's take it back a little bit. They, they didn't just sort of suddenly build a wall, take it back a little bit. There's, there's people standing side by side with, with tools in one hand and a sword in another to defend themselves. And, uh, and you see that scene. And then take yourself back a little bit further and you'll see someone laying the first brick. Take yourself back a little further still and you hear about Nehemiah sharing his plans and going out and spying the city at night. And, and, but it didn't start there. Take yourself back a little further and you see Nehemiah traveling that 1,300 kilometers from Susa to Jerusalem. But it didn't even start there. Take yourself back a little further and you see him packing a suitcase for his journey, and it didn't even start there. If you remember week one of our series, you'll know that he went and got his floss to put in his suitcase because we know that flossing changes your life. Obviously, not many of you there were in week one. I get the podcast. <laughs> flossing will change your life. He gets his toothbrush and he puts it in a suitcase. That was his first small step. His first small step wasn't building a wall. It was packing a case. Start small if you want to do something big. If you want to do something big, lay the first stone. When I, uh, when I first got a, a sort of like a sense in which, or a, a burden in, in a sense that uh, I just, I was so wanting to see the gospel, see everyone Get the gospel. I just had this, this sort of radical desire to see everyone find Jesus. And uh, I had this sort of burden from a reasonably young age. And, and yet, I didn't quite know what to do with it. And then one day, my pastor said to me, would you lead a connect group? I said, no, that can't be it. So I said, no, uh, I, I won't lead a connect group. I was a rebel. And, uh, and he asked me again. I said, no. And then I think it was the third or fourth time he asked me, I I gave in. I realized maybe there was something here called obedience. And so I, uh, I submitted and I said, okay, well, we'll start a connect group. Lisby and I started it together and we, we did it in somebody else's home, probably because their living room was bigger or something. And we packed out the house. It surprised us. Uh, and we loved every minute of it. <clears throat> and so our pastor asked us to look after all the connect groups and begin to sort of develop the connect group system. Uh, and then after that, we were asked to do something else uh, and something else. I, I can't remember all the steps now. And then eventually we were asked to join a, a church planting team to start a campus down the road. And we were asked to lead worship. That was a bad step, not a next step. Some ne <laughs> it was a next step that was a bad step, <laughs> for us at least. And uh, that's why the church didn't last very long. But um, not all your next steps will succeed. Good lesson in that. Um, learn to embrace failure. It's good for us. Uh, if you've had no failure, then, then you're not enriched. Your life is not as meaningful as it could be. I, I dare you, go out and fail 
Uh, to fail means you've got to go and do something you've not done before or do something bigger than you've done before. And, uh, and learn, to, learn to realize that in failing you can grow in wisdom, uh, you, can, you can grow in all sorts of things. But we took that first small step. We said, yes, okay, I will do it. I will start a connect group. And uh, for some of you, that doesn't sound like a small step. That sounds like a huge step. Step back. What could you do before that? Maybe offer to help your connect group leader. Maybe offer to bring the drinks or something. Uh, or maybe simply just say, hey, could I intercede for our group? Would you mind if I'm the prayer in the group? I'll just have the list of people on my phone. I'll pray for them every day. Oh, gosh, I'll tell you, any connect group leader would love someone in their group like that. Small. What is small to you that gets you active in what you need to do. Uh, take your first step. Think big, but start small. Don't let the start stop you. What is the first step? You are so clever. You're brighter than the Dutch lot. The second point, <laughs> the second point, the second point, you start small. What do you do then? You've taken a step. What do you do now? Wouldn't it be weird? Wouldn't it be weird? If that child of yours, who took that Frankenstein move, then looked up at you and went, there you go, Dad, I'm a walker. I need never walk again. I've proven I can do it, that's it. From now on, you carry me for the rest of my life. Wouldn't that be weird? No, son, after the first step, you take a second step. And after the second, you take a third. And after the third, you take a fourth, and so on. The second point is this. After taking a small step, take a next step. This is such a complicated message. Uh, take your next step. But it's uncanny, it's unreal how difficult this seems to be. How many of you have ever joined a gym and only been once? How many of you have wanted to write a book and not got past the first sentence? How many of you have wanted to start a business and not got past your business card? Which, by the way, should be about the last thing you do in your business plan. You feel like you've got a business when you've got a business card. What is that? I haven't owned a business card in for, for years, and it's not stopped me. What do you do after your first step? Take your next step. Why don't we? Week two, point three. Anybody? <laughs> predictable resistance they started to build the walls and then the enemies came out all these guys who hated what they're doing came out started taunting them you you can't do that that's stupid and then nehemiah goes we're going to this is my summary i haven't got time to read the verse this is my summary he goes we're going to carry on only now we're going to have a sword in our hand not just a tool just in case you try and stop us we're good with this thing Watch out. So they carried on. They carried on the next step, brick upon brick, brick upon brick, until they finished the wall because it was the next step that got the job done. You will find that there is predictable resistance. Your predictable resistance may not be a physical enemy. It may not be your next-door neighbor or your, or your child or, or your boss. or a, It may not even be lack of financial resources. Your, your resistance might simply be your inner motivation. It might just simply be you going, I don't want to. Or, what if it doesn't work? Let me tell you what the great Winston Churchill said when he was saying a speech, telling a speech to a group of school students one day. This is his amazing speech. It went like this. It lasted about seven words. He goes, 
never, never, never give up. It's probably one of the greatest speeches you could ever get to hear is that speech right there. When your child falls down, don't go, well, you know, don't sort of, as we say, cover them in cotton wool and say, hey, get up, you'll live another day. Come on, don't quit. Keep walking. Try again. When your child falls after starting their first few steps and they fall, you don't go, well, that's it. Never going to try again. You tell them to get back on their feet. Get back on the bike. Get back on the whatever. Try again. Never quit. Keep on getting up. Jesus is the great example of this. Not even death caused him to quit on us. If there was ever any moment Jesus could have decided to not see the job through, it would have been when he was on that cross. Would any of us have not forgiven him after three minutes of hanging on that cross if he said too much, clicked his fingers, and went straight back up to heaven at that point? That's what we would have done, right? If we had the powers to do so, but he didn't. He hung there until the job was finished, until he died, and he still didn't quit. He wrestled with the spirit of death. He wrestled with the devil himself. And let me tell you, as many of you know, he won. He got back up again. And he kept running until the race was finished. So he could take his seat back in heaven in the fashion that he should. Not taking any shortcut, but taking the way he should go, his divine direction. God has given some of you today a divine burden that is going to lead to your divine direction. But you need to take the small step that gets you going. And then when you've taken the small step, you need to take your next step. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up as we bring this to a close right here because I know in just a moment, God is about to do something for you. Let me just be really honest with you right now about what I feel God has been doing for us. I'm, I'm absolutely amazed that we have 500 churches around the world right now and it all started with a small step of one couple saying, we're going to go to Sydney and plant a church. <clears throat> Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, they then said, well, look, I feel like God wants us to start one or two other churches. And so they got to four, and then they got to ten, and that was, that was his life, t- lifelong ambition to have started ten churches. But he achieved that at such a young age. He goes, well, what, what do I do now? And, uh, and God, it was just as simple as the fact God never let the divine burden leave him that the world needs saving. And if there's any burden I feel I carry, it's not to make it easy for anybody to go to hell, but to keep building environments like this. And so that's what we've done. We've kept starting and kept continuing. And Lisby and I have been involved in, I think it's about 10 church plants. Seven of, seven, of them, seven of them have worked, three haven't. That's okay. Seven out of 10, that's not bad. If you've got a divine burden that says, we do desperately want to see every person find Christ. Every person transformed and empowered. Transformed in Christ and empowered for purpose. When you have a mandate that you're living for you will get back up again. You will keep going. You will start new things. There are some weekends we've got four or five services running. A Friday lunchtime C3 Care service. A Friday night youth service. There's two Sunday services here and one in Almira. And it thrills my heart, but I'm still not satisfied. I want another location or two in the next 18, next two years, by the end of next year. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could start another location somewhere? Keep on moving. Is it easy? No, it's not. 
Are there times where we feel like quitting? Yes. Do I know how it's going to work out? No. Let me just bear my heart to you right now. We, we are probably look more strategic than we really are. We probably look more planned than we really are. We're just good at starting. We don't really know where it's going to finish. I don't know. What's your great grand vision? I don't know, but I can tell you our purpose. That's why I've stopped using the word vision. It's overrated. Who cares about vision? It's your God-given purpose that counts. It's the, it's, it's, it's the culture of what you're building that counts. I could tell you we'll have a hundred churches by the time I'm dead. and all that. It's meaningless. It doesn't change anyone's life right now. But I can tell you, today I'm living to see a life transformed. Today I'm living for a life empowered. Today will make a difference. Tomorrow we'll start another location if it's going to help somebody. We will see communities transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. We will see society, not just individuals, but our community transformed. I'm not satisfied with just seeing individuals come to Christ. That is amazing. That is our supreme call. But to top it all, wouldn't it be amazing to see communities like the society within Amsterdam South Oast is beginning to just have a different mindset, a different culture, a different feel. It feels like the kingdom of God. That's why we started C3 Cares. And in Almira Stad, maybe Zandam one day or downtown Amsterdam or wherever the next one is. That's our mission. It's exciting. It took them 52 days to build. 52 days. Even their opponents said, that's incredible. That must be God. When you follow God's divine burden you will be in his divine direction and people will say that's unusual that's got to be God Francis of Assisi said this start doing what's necessary then what's then what's possible then suddenly you are doing the impossible it's what Nehemiah did he did what he thought was necessary He started doing what he could do. He ended up achieving what was impossible. Because he didn't just build a wall. He then went through a cultural shift. He began to open the scriptures and and bring about society change. And, And then he brought a sense of a revival as people came back to God. It was The wall was just the start. And that's my point. Take the step. Keep on walking. Just when you feel you've reached the goal, God goes, you're not done. Here, there's another goal. Keep on walking. Just when you think you're done, there's another goal. Keep on walking. We don't really know where it will end. But we do know it's good to start. One day you will look back and we'll see that the step you took was one of the biggest face steps you ever took because of the fruit you see now. That step to start a connect group so many years ago may have seemed like a small step in a direction I was feeling we should go in. But looking back now, I could trace everything back to that day we said yes to that small step. One thing led to another thing. Things started to unfold that we could not have imagined. And here we are in the most beautiful city in the world. How lucky are we? We get to do church in Amsterdam. Oh my goodness. With people like you. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. It's like, it's like a dream. In reality, God, 
I would have been happy if you gave me ugly people in, in an ugly city, but you gave me beautiful people in a wonderful city. I'm like... <laughs> in just one moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If, if you feel like you've got a divine burden, if you feel like you're going, I just can't stand this anymore, I've got to do something about it, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Or if you feel like there is a small step you need to take to get something started, I want you to stand to your feet in just a moment. Or if you feel like you have hit a moment where you've been tempted to quit or have even quit, I want you to stand to your feet too. Because today, we're just going to get things started. We're going to get the wheels moving. So if you're in any of those categories where you just feel you've got a divine burden or you've decided on a step you're going to take or you've decided to get back on track or you know, any of those things that have really spoken to you today, why don't you just stand to your feet and then I'm going to pray for us all as we do that and as we come to a close. Amazing. Gosh, you, you, your future is bigger than you think it is. Your divine direction is, is a wonderful thing to be walking in because it's divine. It's, it's God. It's, it's more satisfying and more fulfilling than any course you could make up. And so, Father, I pray today that as we choose to take steps, we'd know your hand is upon us. For some of us, the step feels big, even though we've been talking about small steps. It feels like it's needing courage. And I pray that you would put courage in our hearts as we make this decision today. Lord, I pray you'd bless every person here. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit would be on every one of us. I pray for those who are getting back going again, who have decided to get back up and try again. I pray you would show them that there is hope where there was disappointment. There is there is uh, fresh starts where they thought it was the end of the road. It's just the beginning. I declare to you right now, your future is brighter than your past. The future is good. As long as you keep throwing yourself into Him, as long as you keep trusting the Lord, He will make your path straight. And so I pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit be upon every one of us. And I pray divine burdens would explode in this place, become divine directions, would become fruitful lives that change communities in Jesus' name. Just where you're standing. I know the people here today and there's a start you need to make and that is a start to walk with Jesus Christ. I've got to be honest, I've been speaking for 30, 40 minutes but it's actually all about this one moment right now. If if you were to take this step to give your life to Jesus and I'm going to make it easy for you because I'm going to say a prayer that you can say I'm going to give you the step I'm going to help you with the step I'm, I'm with you in this step more than in anything else I'm with you in, in this step and therefore it's going to feel like a small step but there are going to be moments where you'll look back and you'll go that was the biggest step and the greatest step I could have ever taken because that's how it works when you look back and make the right decision. And so today, if that's you, if you've never taken the step to follow Jesus or maybe you're coming back to him today, maybe you've been away from him, maybe it's just been like months since you've prayed. 
Maybe you just need to be sure you're going to heaven. If that's you, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand and then put it back down. And then I'm going to pray. Simple as that. Is that all right? So if that's you, just right where you are, could you just raise your hand for me? Just put it up and then put it back down. Thank you. That's awesome. Who else is there? You know you need to pray this prayer. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. Who else is there? We're going to close in just a moment. I'm going to simply lead you in a prayer. So maybe one more person. Okay. Maybe you haven't raised your hand, but you're really actually deep down wanting to pray this. Pray this prayer. Follow me. I want everyone's going to pray it right now. So could everyone pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. Today I give you my life. Forgive me of my past. Come and live in my heart. Fill me with your power. I thank you that today I am saved. Thank you for your peace. Lead me in your direction. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I pray for every one of these people that you fill them with your power and your spirit as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Could we give these guys a hand? It's a wonderful thing. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.